0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Homo Fomo. A little bit about us. We're not a spoiler-free podcast. However, we're not cruel. So, if you hate spoilers, know there is a strong potential that we could reveal things like plot twists and endings of the media that we discuss. You've been warned. Now we hope that you enjoy the show. Avoid legal snags by telling people they're being recorded. Oh, 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 so you can't use Skype recording for entrapment. Oh, well, that's fine, I guess. Okay, so, um, I guess I'll introduce the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Hello, listeners, and welcome to an- another Star Wars episode of Homo Fomo, the podcast where we discuss media and how it could be gay or gayer, gayer. Yeah. I am your co-host, Emma.
1: And this is Kai, Kylo Ren. What is up?
0: Uh, today we're going to be discussing the Star Wars story films, so like the side films, uh, Rogue One. And Solo. I think we should start with Solo, because it's stupid.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, I was going to say, because chronologically it's first, but you you do you. <laughs> my
0: reasoning is that I didn't like it very much. <laughs> is this the first time you've seen it? Yes.
1: Okay, that's, that's fair. Um, this is my second time seeing it. The first time I was in theaters, and the person I was with at one point did just scream, like, no... At just at how bad it was (laughs) just in theater my friend mason was just like no
0: (laughs) oh that's too bad do you think we'll be able to manage to do a shorter episode today given the fact that we don't care about
1: solo that much i i think it's gonna be a short episode knock on wood um but that may just be because I don't have a whole lot to say about these movies other than Solo was okay and Rogue One was fantastic. So I'm ho- I'm really depending on you being the hard carry for Rogue One, being able to really elevate that conversation since you love oh, it so much.
0: Jesus Christ. Well, we should never depend on me for that, but we'll, we'll try. Our well, I have so much to say just about Diego Luna, too, because I'm a Diego Luna super fan. I mean, so, don't forget
1: Riz Ahmed. You can't.
0: I love Riz Ahmed as well. Yes, this is true. This is true. Okay. So starting with Solo, um, what is your first note on this movie?
1: Uh, Even the beginning text
0: sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Why does the beginning text suck? Because it has no story?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. The thing is, is about the beginning text supposed to give you like a broad overview about what's going on and we don't need a broad overview of the prequel that's the point of that this is like is the origin story why would we need preamble to an origin story i just i don't need it it was bad
0: true that is that is weird filmmaking yeah um yeah my first note for this movie is just here we fucking go um (laughs) equal energy. Equal so we I think we started off in equal energy. Yeah. So Solo went through a change of director,
1: did it not? Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. Was, they was, had almost finished it. They had almost finished the movie and then they remade it with a different director.
0: Yeah, which was Ron Howard was the one who did the final version, right?
1: Or that it was people who did comedies, right? It was I think it was two directors that did comedies? I'm actually for
0: the first time in our podcast history going to look this up. Um, <laughs> um, so I guess it was Phil Lord and Chris Miller who did seventy percent of the film before Ron Howard took over. I don't know what films they did. Chris Lloyd, and I know Christopher Lloyd.
1: But Yeah, but could you imagine? Could you imagine finishing seventy percent of a film and then having it taken away from you?
0: That would be really heartbreaking. Yeah. I really want to see... Sorry, I really want to see what movies they did because I feel like if I get a gauge of their filmography, I can judge whether or not they would have done a better job with it than Ron Howard.
1: (laughs) I see that. I see that. The original film like yours probably would have done a much better job.
0: I'm unfamiliar with these directors. I think that they are also comedy actors, um, oh <laughs> uh, so I'm just gonna we're gonna
1: give up on that
0: I'm just gonna give up on the pursuit yeah it's something I could have looked into before we started recording but
1: you don't like solo enough for that
0: I really didn't care about solo enough for that so sorry listeners <laughs> so Ron Howard took over and we got uh solo a la the Grinch man
1: we certainly did but you know what hey the Grinch the Jim, Jim Carrey Grinch is probably one of the most marvelous gems of filmmaking in my opinion
0: personally i don't have a christmas movie i like more than jim carrey's grinch
1: yeah we actually watched it together this christmas
0: we did i also am a big fan of arrested development which i know that that wasn't created by or directed by ron howard but he does just do the (laughs) great voiceover for it that i love so
1: i wouldn't know Oh,
0: God, Arrested Development's fucking ridiculous. Anyway.
1: Is that where your attraction for Jason Bateman is coming out?
0: I don't know. I think I just like being problematic at this point.
1: (laughs) Jason Bateman isn't problematic.
0: No, he doesn't appear to be. But he's also not not problematic. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, he's not, like, out there at rallies speaking out against the man. Uh,
0: He did kind of shut down um, the actress who played Lucille Bluth when she talked about the kind of terrible experience she had working with Jeffrey Tambor on Arrested Development and Jason Bateman did have a moment of like mansplaining to her. Oh good. But then he like was on Mark Marin's podcast and was like, yeah, I just need to shut my mouth. Oh, well that's <laughs> like, nice. Good learning. Yeah. Good stuff. Anyway, but Jason Bateman was not in solo.
1: We are one point into this movie.
0: Yeah. Which was that, the opening text didn't need to be there. No.
1: Um, and then the, my next point is there are stupid dice, which is prep placement. The idea that he has these dice that hang over the, <laughs> I don't know, ship lingo. Oh. What is the, the rear view mirror? Which is crazy. Yeah.
0: yeah it's very like, again, like the, like a very subtle version of the nod to the, diner in the prequel movies just gotta <laughs> like,
1: sell those dumb toys
0: we're like yeah if han solo was a human on earth he would 100 have these in his rear view mirror god to
1: hate that uh, uh and then i
0: i like how we're both just like oh it's just so unlike the prequels this is the thing there was things to talk about in the prequels you know what i mean like it was so bad that it was actually ripe for content.
1: 100%.
0: Solo is just flat. It's
1: incredibly flat. So how about we just, how about we bang out these points okay. and then move on to Rogue One. So, so my, next, my next point, some people pronounce his name Han. Some people pronounce it Han. I, I don't like that inconsistency, but that existed in the original trilogy, whatever. Yeah. Um, Rebel Han is pretty good. Uh, he, he's in the army, or, you know, he's a pilot in the Empire's realm. And mm-hmm. at some point, they're talking about eliminating hostiles in a planet they're colonizing. And Han is just like, well, it's their planet. Where are the hostiles? Good point. Yeah. Got me there. Speaking mm-hmm. truth to power. Good for you, Han. So he's not totally apolitical. No, he has opinions, he just doesn't stand for anything but his own survival, which I guess I can forgive as, like, a child growing up in a fascist world.
0: Yeah, for sure. It also just kind of, like, is consistent with the fact that Han Solo... I don't know, he just seems like one of those white dudes where everything came easy.
1: Oh. Yeah, but that's the opposite of how he lived. (laughs) Like, he... I mean, I agree with you, his attitude is, like... Eh, whatever happens which is also an attitude Jin Erso has funnily enough is they both have like being into politics as a privilege item just trying to survive
0: right I guess I just kind of like zoned out of that that concept in Han's character <laughs> I just like didn't catch on to it or didn't see it very clearly in him of like that everything was based in survival
1: yeah yeah I mean, he has very small goals. Like, his goal is to get away from being a orphan child worker. I don't know what his job was. Being in a gang? A child gang? Oh. Oh. That was his first goal. And then his second goal was, like, you know, leave the planet with Kira. That got messed up. So then his next goal was being a pilot and then finding Kira. And then that was messed up. (laughs) Right, right. He's just really shoestringing it along, much like the plot of this film.
0: Wow, you love consistency, though, don't you? Hey, I do.
1: Any notes for you?
0: My notes? Uh huh. Um, <laughs> they're so bad. I did not pay attention to this movie at all. I fucking <laughs> tuned out so bad. I just have like the notes again about like ugh, I just can't believe that they cast who they cast in the female lead in this film she once again looks like all the other lead actresses in all the other star wars movies and i fucking hate it Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i guess to me i'm just like immediately not invested because han is my least favorite character in the star wars universe just above jar jar binks damn Yeah, I really just don't. And honestly, I didn't find the actor that they cast uh, very engaging. See,
1: I was going to debate you on that because I actually think they did a great job casting, but his hair looks stupid.
0: (laughs) And that is what ruins it. bad haircut
1: i think the main actor did a good job of picking up what harrison ford laid down without it seeming like he was doing the impression like he did something a little bit different like a young han solo is not the same as an old han solo yeah that was pretty good it does not change the fact that this script is as dry as tatooine like
0: yes good yeah good comparison yeah i i think that we avoided what donald glover did not um unfortunately and as somebody who is like a die hard donald glover stan like i really love everything from because the internet onward music wise i am a really big fan of atlanta i think donald glover is a really i think his strong suit is writing i don't think his strong suit is acting um but I, I've never thought him a bad actor. I also really liked the early seasons of Community and particularly liked his character. Um, but yeah, so the, the the actor that they cast to play Han did do something remarkable. I have to give him credit where credit is due in, in not doing a blatant impression, but capturing the essence of Han Solo. Yeah. Um, I guess it's not so much the actor's fault as it is, again, the writing and the fact that I personally never engaged with Han as a character.
1: That's totally fine. Um, Let me skip to something you'll like, though. Although I think we do have to mention the fact that this movie shows how Han got a last name and it sucks.
0: How Han got what? Pardon? A last name. Wait! When did we learn that? (laughs) Emma. I was really not in it. I was really not in it.
1: So when he manages to escape the planet by sneaking through a door or whatever he immediately goes to a recruitment booth where he is asked basic information that he does not have and when he says that he doesn't have a family name because he doesn't have a family the recruiter who's signing him up to be a pilot for the empire just puts his name in as solo
0: oh lol that's actually that's actually pretty nifty i can no. dig that
1: no no <laughs> i cannot dig that i thought it was very very very
0: I mean, how else are you going to get the last name Solo, I guess?
1: You make it up. What I thought he, he was going to like, giving people a fake name until one's stuck. <laughs> like Ziggy Stardust.
0: <laughs> I would have loved it if it was Han Stardust.
1: <laughs> oh. But that's Jyn Orso's nickname, anyway. That'll be it. next. Yeah. yeah. Let's move on to something I know you'll like, which is Chewy. Chewie's introduction.
0: Right. I will just have a quick caveat here where sorry i can hear myself in my headphones it's really throwing myself off um oh no. i i did again i think i mentioned this in a past episode when he's in the train station whatever that's what in my mind that was the area he was in was a train station when he gets separated from khaleesi um but i like the propaganda that was playing in the station Yes. Because of world building again. I thought, like, the being like, join the empire. It was like, oh, right. Again, put you in this thing of, like, look, looky here. We're in a First Order in a fascist regime that's trying to overtake the galaxy. And they're trying to make it look all peachy. And it was just, I I thought that was a really fun detail that I liked.
1: I fully agree. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great idea to show how people would even get indoctrinated into this, and by showing it's parallel to our world, it really shows that the only reason Han signs up is not due to any sort of loyalty to the Empire, but strictly out of, uh, like, a necessary route out of poverty. Yeah, yeah. Which is very reflective of this world.
0: Yeah, for sure. Which... Again, kind of makes me seem like a hypocrite for saying that I don't like... But I think I don't like aesthetic links to our world as much as I... Yeah, like, that's what bothers me more than having context for certain behavior that is based on the history of human humanity. Not human anything, but...
1: Yeah. Ideological (laughs) parallels to the current world are more believable than the idea there'd be a retro bar.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I, we, there's certain things that we as the audience need, regardless of believability, in order to, to be emotionally invested in a story or like understand the story, like to make up completely new concepts of fashion, like, like even fascism itself. So yeah, before I go on too much of a ramble, (laughs) I, I understand that world building and that make sense to me and i appreciate those kinds of things that give us context for understanding the motives of the characters and yada yada
1: if, if listeners have made it this far i think they can notice that our tones are incredibly flat that will change at for one i can at least promise that
0: Promise, promise, yeah. Okay, so we meet Chewie.
1: <laughs> Which I thought was really cool. I thought him being, like, the monster in the pit that people get punished by being thrown to. That was pretty funny.
0: That was really funny. I, I really liked the introduction of Chewie, too. I thought it was really funny. Um,
1: Did you like Han speaking Wookie? Because that I, was great.
0: I... I <laughs> I really liked hearing Han speak. And I like him going, yeah, I speak a little. So <laughs> I liked that a lot. I thought it was really good. And I immediately, immediately like the dynamic between them kind of set up, which was great because who wants to watch a whole movie where they don't have that dynamic? You know what I mean?
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's it's established. In their meeting, that Han can buck out of his ass and come up with a plan, and Wookie will, or sorry, and Chewie will back him up, but he will complain about it.
0: Yeah, and that just is their permanent state as a couple for the rest of Star Wars.
1: And then there's a shower scene, which is great.
0: Okay, so I have a great note on that.
1: <laughs> which is it
0: says Chewie and Han shower together, then romantic music playing that is reminiscent of Phil Collins. Is my life. <laughs>
1: Oh, I didn't get the Phil Collins connection, but now I'm kind of jealous.
0: I guess that was just, for me, how it was hitting.
1: Just interpreting Phil Collins.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that was a really, that was a fun time. I now will say that maybe I'm giving too much away and breaking structure of how we used to do this. I don't care. I thoroughly believe in Chewie and Han as... A strong couple. And I think that there's so many, so many instances of Chewie being like vaguely in love with Han and, and getting like jealous of Han when he does eventually reunite with his brunette,
1: Kira. <laughs> right. Kira, Kira with Kira. a Q because we're special
0: because it's another galaxy so same name
1: different letters yeah much like jenner so i can't I, my brain is like just Just
0: um okay so after after the shower scene with the uh, phil collins music according to me um i just wrote i feel like chewy looked a little jealous when they mentioned han's girlfriend yeah, that's which feels cool. like I'm missing some information, but still, that's the next thing I noticed in the film.
1: He's got what she'll never have, which is more hair. Mm.
0: <laughs> Illustrious,
1: yeah, and beautiful you know, it, hair. <laughs> Chewy had lasting power, you know. It, it was yeah. Han, and Han until the, the end of the day. Where's this days.
0: Cura with a Q nowadays?
1: Gone. She's never to be seen. At- from again and i'm not i'm not mad about it
0: but is to be replaced by another brunette princess leia <laughs> later on yeah you got me or there. is to be replaced by another brunette chewy
1: <laughs> but okay first it's all true second of all at least carrie fisher has brown eyes instead of blue eyes
0: crazy she is more like ray if we need to take <laughs> if we doesn't ray have brown eyes
1: i i, I should do this Maybe
0: I am decently sure Ray has brown eyes. I know that because that's how we take our lead female seriously. They have blue eyes, no last power. You know what I mean? I mean,
1: sure. Because
0: we killed Jinnar, so blue eyes, brown hair. We we forgot about Kira. Blue eyes, brown hair.
1: I but this is like the fifth time we've diverted to Jin so and that's my fault.
0: That's fine. <laughs> I'm happy to talk about Jin. Bring it in
1: she's so much more interesting than Kira
0: oh my god everybody is so much more interesting than Kira and listen that is not the fault of um oh give me a second her name will come to me M Amelia Clark Amelia Clark yes. that is her name um yeah I think Amelia Clark is a very bright engaging actress but Kira was not written she was not a written character she was a half imagined the ingredients list on the back of a cereal box like
1: oh. that is that's too accurate i can't believe that just came out of your mouth that's too real
0: it's the worst and, and daisy ridley does have like hazel eyes so
1: oh yes that's probably why i couldn't think of them as they were between colors
0: there we go important information this is why you subscribe to us listeners um
1: like and subscribe leave a comment anyway
0: <laughs> listen anyway okay so Chewie's jealous when when Kira gets mentioned mm-hmm. it's palpable it's there why I say so that's why oh I j- my next note is are her teeth sharp love that beauty standard <laughs> I, I, <would laughs> I didn't write who I was talking about I didn't write anything else other than teeth sharp that's a beauty standard I can I can get behind
1: <laughs> is it woody harrelson's wife
0: i'm pretty sure it is woody harrelson's wife um which makes sense and it's not Thandy newton who plays woody harrelson's wife in this is it because i've been watching west west world so Thandy newton is just top of mind right now because fandy fucking newton
1: Yeah, yeah. um, Unfortunately, I don't know her character's name, which is unusual for me, but that character does immediately die, so. Yeah,
0: they're like, let's bring in Thandie Newton, because women like Thandie Newton. We do. It's a fact. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah, this movie
1: really appealing to the women.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know that was top of mind for them, to appeal to their female audience.
1: (laughs) Well, they brought in Donald Glover, so women who like men, maybe.
0: True. As a as a woman who likes men, Donald Glover was a big draw for this film. I, w- I won't
1: lie. The biggest. Yeah. The biggest draw, and it fell flat anyway.
0: Yeah. So we get introduced to Woody Harrelson, and I just wrote, Hate to see anyone kiss Woody Harrelson. Really? I hate Woody Harrelson in a deep what? way. I fucking hate Woody Harrelson. What do you do? oh, he didn't do anything. I think he's a chill dude in real life. But I find that every time I see him in a movie, he's one of those actors who always plays Woody Harrelson. Like, he always plays himself, um, which is fine. But I don't like uh, Woody Harrelson. It's not someone I'm interested in watching. He's just the same kind of weird Hunter S. (laughs) Thompson-esque, like, dope-smoking Usually, like, socially inept man-child. Anyway.
1: That is crazy. Because I have loved him ever since I saw him in Zombieland. And then he played Haymitch in The Hunger Games. And I loved him.
0: You liked Haymitch?
1: Yeah. I love Haymitch. I read the books.
0: Those are, like, some of the only books I've ever read in my entire life were The Hunger Games. I, okay, I mean, we could do a whole another episode on debating Woody Harrelson. I found his Haymitch- so boring anyway
1: but that's because i find woody harrelson boring i think suzanne collins in the book wrote hamich for woody harrelson that's how good i think he played him <laughs> we don't agree at all today
0: yeah which you know what spicing it up right <laughs>
1: yeah let's find it out
0: oh okay so do you have any uh, notes in the introduction of mr harrelson um
1: just We've killed the woman of color whose sole trait was Beckett's wife. Great.
0: Which, again, marketing to women, thank you.
1: Yeah, the next note, I hate that Ron Howard, the man who directed the Jim Carrey Grinch movie, did this to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it feels more personal knowing that he he was the one behind a beloved Christmas classic, and then this.
1: Really, really stung, honestly. I mean, how cliche is that? The first person and they kill a woman of color like fuck you you might as well have made her a lesbian that's how cliche this is
0: i know just why don't we decapitate uh cara dune
1: while we're at it so oh i actually looked up how much this movie cost 275 million one of the most expensive films ever made uh probably because of the reshoots
0: yeah, definitely and because the reshoots didn't just like replace actors or replace directors that, you know, from what I can tell don't have the most illustrious or like their films and television shows aren't uh maybe in the zeitgeist as much as fucking Ron Howard's films, right? So like Ron Howard is an expensive director to bring in further reshoots it's not like they're like oh let's just bring back gareth edwards who did rogue one but like that was yeah had to be like ron howard is like a few notches below spielberg so really yeah his production company is pretty big like ron howard's pretty big blockbuster director.
1: I mean The Grinch is obviously one of the greatest films ever made, so I should I should have known better. I you can't put a price on talent <laughs> like that. True. Except 10 so and it's uh 275 million. So Correct. yep, that's the exact price of Ron Howard's talent. <laughs> and probably did not break even at the box office, but what do I know?
0: Oh no, I don't think this one did.
1: Okay. So the next scene we are brought into a party um where we see Kira all grown up because she's dating the bad guy. Um I made note that there was a black lady in a gold dress dancing like Lord. <laughs> um,
0: ha! And so that's what Planet Lord is from.
1: Yeah, and she honestly deserved a full-on character. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel that way about a lot of the singers that are introduced as like set dressing in these sorts of scenes. Is they usually look very cool and I want to know more about them. Right. But instead, black women are used as decoration, and I'm tired of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have a question. Sure. This is technically a ragtag crew.
1: Uh, he did The Impossible, which he made me hate a ragtag crew.
0: I was going to ask, does it hold up? It doesn't hold up. There you go.
1: Because he killed off the members that I would have liked. Yeah. Like Beckett's wife. I, I hate that I don't know her name, that it is just Beckett's wife. We can call her Thandie Newton. (laughs) Thandie Newton. She seemed to have a lot of gumption. She seemed to like really give uh, Beckett's character like any sort of pushback that he deserved and that probably would have been useful in a long-term plot, but fuck it, she's dead. Yeah. There was that alien that had like six arms and that was fun. He's dead. (laughs) Mm -hmm. all that's left is team white guy
0: (laughs) woody harrelson and han solo (laughs) which are the same and chewy yeah what which chewy a star a beautiful and majestic i will never i will never not love and adore chewy that's true
1: totally fit but he does not count as a brown man regardless of his bar he's a brunette at best
0: he is just a brunette i understand
1: that (laughs) okay so that all sucks, and we're at a party um they send chili just off just go to the snack table Mm -hmm. so that i can have a moment with my lost child love which sucks
0: yeah kira with a q is back and femme fatale as ever
1: (laughs) but something that is interesting to me now, but was not at the time. Do you know who the man who plays the villain is? This man with a scarred up face? Oh, yes. Shit. He's the man that plays Jeffrey Chaucer in A Knight's Tale.
0: Yes, I was going to say is it Paul Bettany? Because I remember being like, oh, because I, lo- I, I love Paul Bettany. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm obsessed.
1: Um yes, I of course you know that man's full name. Why wouldn't you? Paul Bettany's my dude. <laughs> Cuz you're just so really into every Heath Ledger movie I imagine.
0: Yes, I have watched every single Heath Ledger movie that has ever been made by Heath Ledger.
1: I, yeah, I <laughs> I figured. But yeah, he plays Chaucer and now he plays a wildly different character which is a scarred up bad guy, which is fine. It's cool.
0: And he also played um prrr- uh Jarvis in the event. Oh,
1: yes, he did. I Googled that late last night. I should have known. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No, it's okay. <laughs> he's he does kind of he's a character actor for sure. He rarely gets leads. Um yeah. But, but this but, is
1: just making me so excited to talk about Alan Turing.
0: Alan Turing?
1: How the fuck do you pronounce his name? Alan Turnik?
0: Wait, Alan Turing is the guy who invented the computer. The gay man who invented computers. Relevant. Don't watch the Benedict Cumberbatch thing. Watch the documentary. Um,
1: No, no. Alan Turing, who plays so many voice roles he plays k2 in rogue one but he also plays the chicken and moana he plays the villain in dollhouse oh wait you don't watch dollhouse because you hate eliza Dushku. I'm.
0: i don't hate eliza i do yeah you're right yeah you do Uh, I hate to say that I hate Elijah Dushku, but I just... Anyway, no, I actually so I'm not familiar with this person.
1: No, you super are because he plays everything. He's he plays one character in almost every movie.
0: Okay, Alan
1: Tarek. Y K at the end.
0: Oh, Tud Kick Tud Oh, Alan, uh, the blonde guy. He's blonde. why are we? Why are we both
1: like? Developing dyslexia with this one name. This guy, Tudek Alan Tudek.
0: I actually really like him. He's one of my favorite character actors as well. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that he voiced anybody in, in this movie. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: uh, but not Solo, Rogue One. He plays K Two.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Wait, why are you bringing him up?
1: Because we were talking about Bennett. The man? Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany. Okay, we're gonna have to move on because I these are just interchangeable okay, white Okay, so men. you
0: were just saying that... Okay, so Alan Tud... Tudkick... Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, he He's like a Paul Bettany.
1: Yeah, he's like a... Like a... Betty man. <laughs>
0: okay. Let's move on. Let's move on. I might have to cut all that out anyway. Let's just keep
1: going okay moving <sighs> um, oh my god I, I, there's so much coming up with like Lando being introduced but unfortunately I have to talk about other things
0: that's unfortunate
1: yeah this movie was rewritten so many times is a note I have <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did not remember that this movie was about Hans Kessel run lore forgot about that he does the Kessel Run in 12 seconds, 12 parsecs. And then and when one corrects him, he's like, I thought it was 14. He's just like, not if you round down. And then that's the story he, he tells in the original, <laughs> the original trilogy.
0: Wow. This okay. is the origin
1: story for some of that um ass shit. And then we meet Lando.
0: Oh, there we go. And I just put in all capital
1: letters. Donald. So yeah. Yeah. of the fact that Donald Glover does not do a great job at this Lando impression he's putting on. He's still a highlight movie because he's exuding a lot of fuck energy.
0: He is. Oh, Lando fucks a big time.
1: <laughs> we know Lando fucks. <laughs> uh, Ellie confirms this. Mm-hmm. Feel free. Uh, but yeah, I just forgot the sexual tension between Lando and Han was so amazing. How could I? How dare I?
0: I know. And it just it amps up in this film, which is fun. Because we see we, we get to see a few more like eyebrow raises from Don and I believe um he does call I yeah, so buckle up baby was directly quoted in my notes. Yeah, he calls um, him
1: adorable.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, we're, we love to flirt, so we've got Lando.
1: Yeah, we do, and, uh, I do have, I think I turned into you when I watched this movie. Uh Uh-oh, that's never good. Two Emmas cannot stand. (laughs) (laughs) Because I just keep finding, trying to find anything to take my attention away from what's happening. I have here, there's a double-eared white bat alien, and I want plushies of him. At what at what point?
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, the background of this film better than what is happening. And my favorite characters are background characters.
1: Yeah, we, in... we
0: know. No, my favorite um is the crumb. I
1: Pardon? Crumb. Who's the Crumb man?
0: Oh, Salacious be crumb. But I mean in this movie, my, my particular favorite characters of like the entire thing is The refugee clan of, like, warriors, refugee warriors that are, like, fleeing the wrath of the Empire.
1: Yeah, Enfys. Enfys Nest, I think her name is. Enfys Enfys?
0: Nest, or, yeah, it's something Nest, but she's, like,
1: amazing. She is the most interesting character that gets just, like, no backstory.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way about Jenna a bit, but... (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not true she doesn't get any backstory. She, we do know that she's a refugee, but she's a fucking teenage girl who is in charge of, what would you call it, refugee rebellion? Yeah. They kill, they kick ass.
0: They do. Um, But back to Lando, who fucks. Um,
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I guess we do have to talk about him.
0: After Buckle Up Baby, um, Han wins the Millennium Falcon hmm In the poker game.
1: It's I, not poker. It's a nonsense, it's, dumb bullshit game.
0: And Chewy scoffs at any mention of Kira Knightley, which was supposed to be my reference to Amelia Clark's. Because <laughs> again, Kira Knightley could have easily been in that role too.
1: <laughs> no, because she's not wearing period dresses and she's not hitting on women.
0: <laughs> Pardon me. How dare I talk about Kira Knightley? But like honestly, sure. Like Kira Knightley, Amelia Clark, whatever. They're all the same.
1: <laughs> a Kira Knightley could not be less like Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark is like what a man draws for what a woman should look like. And Kira Knightley is specifically like out of a painting from the Renaissance. True. Except meh. <laughs> I would think Amelia Clark is anime and Kira Knightley is like Baroque. Ooh, that's a good... Per-
0: that's actually... I like that. I'm going to take that comparison and run with it, because true. Um, So let's jump right from this into L3. Oh,
1: my God. L3 is the best droid in the Star Wars universe, in my opinion. She... We liked droid-right previous movies. She screams droid-rights.
0: Yeah. She does scream droid droid rights. Um, Now, my critique against this, because I believe when I was talking to you whilst watching the film, I said I felt like L3 was a joke.
1: Yeah. Do you still hold that opinion?
0: I feel like... I think I'm more sensitive to this than maybe other people, um, because I've noticed that I'll hold this opinion more often. (laughs) Than the people around me I'm really picky about the tone in which they represent Activists Activists, characters with a cause, yeah Um, And to me, it felt like L3 was
1: the butt of a joke I can see where you would get that And I'm realizing now that like when Han says something along the lines of where the hostiles were invading their territory. The audience is supposed to be on his side. They're supposed to be like, hey, what a badass. He's a rebel speaking truth to power. But when we see L three do her activism where she's literally trying to liberate slaves, uh, it's it is kind of a throwaway. It's
0: it Yeah, it's kind of like this funny depiction of like a crazy like there when feminism hat Pardon?
1: Like it's it's a it's sorry it's a depiction of radicalism
0: yeah and and it, to me there's like a really conscious sh- thing that happened when third wave feminism was obviously not just gonna go away and it like men kind of had to integrate these new ideas into their lives or their female characters or whatever reluctantly like they it kind of in
1: a tongue-in-cheek way
0: yeah it was just kind of like oh yeah it became another kind of like crazy woman like lol, sure whatever you want honey like it kind of felt like it was it was still depicted with hysteria
1: yeah i i will not deny that i personally was so into l3 that i definitely didn't see that in my first watching where i was just like fucking right finally because up to this point this is the last star wars movie that came out before the mandalorian series and you get to see throughout all of the star wars movies just how much droids are people (laughs) yeah so l3's character felt extremely long overdue Um, So I was just so excited by that. Also the fact that there was a a female-coded droid that wasn't, oh, let me get you some tea, master. Like, she was super-duper her own person. Yeah, Yeah. I was just so excited by that that I didn't even think about how she was meant to be framed by a man. So...
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that comes with our difference in how we watch films, though, because when we were doing our episodes on like the 10 movies to know us, I think what struck you when we were doing my episode is that I have the ability to watch very objectively. I don't self insert into films that much. okay call me out it's not a call i think that uh, i used to be able to do that more and it it provided a more pleasurable viewing experience to self-insert um but because i just got so film buffy for lack of a better word i i just couldn't separate myself from like the mechanics of filmmaking as much anymore yeah which is it's kind of a drag sometimes but I often am like very aware of how the audience is meant to perceive things. Oh, yeah. Obviously. But at the end of the day, I think L three you can choose how you're gonna take her character. And it's yeah. better to choose uh to take her as like, yeah, she's the, the the one on the right side of history. Like you can align yourself more with like that L three is a badass.
1: I mean I think that's incredibly obvious because of how she helps like the heist they they do is Mm -hmm. she ends up freeing every droid she comes into contact with and when it comes to like they're like what do we do with this newfound freedom she's just like free your brothers and sisters get the fuck out of here enjoy having like an autonomous life and yeah because of her they do succeed in their plot. Uh, to, like, (laughs) they they free Wookiee slaves, they free uh, droids and God help me if I could remember what else the plot was supposed to be for that mine, but they do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, which is great, and ultimately L3's death was quite sad.
1: Oh my god, I was thinking about that also while watching Row 1, is just how sad droid deaths are, because really, just in this world, you cannot deny that they are people so the fact that l3 was meant to be like an immortal companion to lando throughout his life to help him on his journey and then having her die in his arms like you can feel that his grief is immeasurable
0: yeah well and i love too that she's integrated into the falcon so in a way we got to know the falcon as a
1: character that's so true makes me really upset that she doesn't have any further like voice commands that she does in the movies but
0: i know it's like basically like here it's kind of a crazy juxtaposition in that isn't there because hmm. they like set her up to be this very outspoken droid the most outspoken droid in all of the star wars universe and the most kind of uh, personified I suppose like she just seems like more of a concrete character than even C-3PO and then in this like kind of martyred way she becomes this silent passive subservient ship that helps Han get to where he's going and helps Lando get to where he's going
1: it is that is a crazy change for a character it really
0: man that's sad now i'm sad you're welcome (laughs) just add a little dark twist to everything
1: i mean it it really goes with what i was had written down which was the fact that l3 is out of the game so quick is garbage
0: yeah which is true okay so after l3 is integrated into the falcon lando tells han that he hates him
1: (laughs) yeah as as he should Oh, and this is also, there's a point where Lando refuses to like leave L3's body. So Chewie has to princess carry him into the Falcon, which is very fun.
0: Oh my god. Yeah, there's just like so many. I wish I had paid a little bit more attention and like wrote down in a little bit more detail the moments of Lando because I think that ultimately the character is written with like a lot more nuance than most male characters are written with in the Star Wars universe. So like credit is due where credit is due there.
1: Absolutely. And then we also get that moment where L3 mentions that her and Lando possibly have sex, which was weird.
0: That was weird, but I guess in the Star Wars universe, sure, why not?
1: Well, yeah, I I don't mind it that much. It's, if anything, I'm I'm definitely pro droids fucking. It's just very funny to me that's the way that men write movies. <laughs> men yeah. write movies and unintentionally show uh, their preferences, their their bias in ways they don't intend to, but are glaringly obvious to people like you and me. Right. So. Yeah, not only is the fact that relationships can't just be relationships that have intimacy separate from physicality, uh, there's also the point where L3 is referring to fellow robots as her brothers and sisters. What do you mean? Why would a robot have a gender? Like, that, yeah, that, is, yeah. that is the writer showing their hand, being like, I think there's only two genders, even in a, a galaxy far, far away. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I found that happened in the new Picard series once or twice, too. Uh, There's also something else I watched recently that I was like, that's a little bit heteronormative, isn't it? Crazy. But yeah, it sneaks in there. It sneaks in there all the time. And that's why we need diversity in the writing rooms more than anything, I
1: think. Yeah. And apologies to anyone who listened to this podcast expecting a summary of the plot. My heart isn't in it. All I'm going to say from here, because I only have two notes left. One, love the teenage girl pirate and Fris Nest and Miss Nest, whatever her name is. Nest. She ruled. Nest. Yeah, Nest. Ms. Nest. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And two, love to see the mall man. We're never going to see him again.
0: Yeah, so I think we can uh, pretty much close out with that being the note of our agreeance on miss nest being just a really great uh subplot to this film
1: yeah. um
0: or not even a subplot a footnote and as as somebody who is a darth maul stan oh yeah i <laughs> i concur um that it was very nice to see the mall man back the the mall man prophecies <laughs> he's the Maul man. um yeah which darth maul mothman start that mm-hmm. conspiracy theory now mm-hmm. um I'll yeah ab- photoshop so ultimately at the end of this film who do we feel is the gayest character uh
1: lando that was easy
0: yeah uh easy peasy shampoo squeezy it's it's lando all the
1: way <laughs> i would also like to point a finger at the people who it around that Lando was going to be a pan character and then made no such mention of it on screen you don't have to say the word pansexual for us to like
0: you know. understand that it's not about gender
1: also people who wrote this movie think that pansexual means you will have sex with anything as in having sex with a droid is what makes you pansexual no Pansexual yeah. means you are attracted to people of any gender and all you showed us was him half-heartedly flirting with Han which I appreciated but isn't canon representation no. and just a, a footnote of him maybe fucking a droid and that's not Pan that's not Pan representation you could have done better anyway.
0: oh absolutely uh, the whole Star Wars franchise could have done so much better <laughs> could have done so much better um yeah so is there any character that you related to in this film at all
1: L3, obviously. I love being perceived as crazy while I speak truth to power.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Honestly, um, I would have to say I'm probably close to L3 as
1: well. Wow, we're the same person, even though we disagreed so much about like minor facets of this movie.
0: Yeah, I would still, well, you know, values are what keep a relationship together. I think shared values, so we have that too a pretty high degree i think
1: oh i would absolutely agree with that and uh, on that agreeance don't worry we can now go to rogue one
0: are you ready to rumble okay so we'll take a quick break i'll insert a little break for y'all to get coffee donuts live your best life um and we will be right back So, listeners, we hope you uh, took the chance to take a little break, recharge the batteries. We are now going to get into at least my absolute favorite Star Wars anything.
1: Mm. What's not to like about it?
0: What's not to like? It's Rogue One, a Star Wars story starring Diego Luna and um, Felicity Jones and Riz Ahmed. And that's as far as I got. I'm so sorry. Hang in. Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen.
1: Yeah. And Boris mm-hmm. Whitaker and Mads Mikkelsen.
0: Oh, Hannibal Lecter. Oh, and Danny from Bloodline. Because my first note, actually, <laughs> speaking of Hannibal Lecter and Danny from Bloodline, um, was that I felt some kind of heat in that first scene between Danny from Bloodline and Hannibal Lecter. I just, there was something, I think I abandoned that concept later on. You're talking about Ben, ben Mendelsohn? I am talking about Ben Mendelsohn. What, you didn't watch Bloodline?
1: <laughs> First of all, I have no idea what that is.
0: Oh, it's got Kyle, it's got Kyle Chandler in it from Friday Night Lights. So, okay. Coach Taylor. Oh, it's so good. Netflix, watch it in the choir. <laughs> I'm my I, I have
1: my uh, no, Emma, I'm going to be honest, I have better things to do. But
0: <laughs> you might not. No, given no. a few months, you'd be surprised.
1: No, I It's a good, it's
0: have... a crime thing. It's like you liked Ozark, right? I did. I so did. it's like Ozark. I love Ozark. But in Florida.
1: Florida. Is there a genius hillbilly girl? I didn't think so.
0: I No, but the mom is Sissy Spacek and she's really cool. And then they have their sister who's like this lawyer who's kind of like debauched and going off the rails, which is interesting. Anyway, enough about Bloodline. Not <laughs> enough about Bloodline. I'm not trying to hard sell anybody on Bloodline. What do you think? Was there a tension between Ben Mendelsohn and Hannibal Lecter? There
1: is always going to be... sexual tension in a well-played civil but tense chess match and that is what this verbal exchange with them is where like Mads Mikkelsen is pretending or sorry Galen Urso pretending that his wife Lyra is dead and that they don't have a child so that Jin has a chance to escape meanwhile uh Krennic is pretending he's giving Galen an, an option to not rejoin but he's That's not what's happening. He's being forcibly brought back to the Empire to create the Death Star. And it results in Lyra actually dying and Jen successfully getting away, but Galen essentially being kidnapped.
0: Yeah, um, which right off the bat, the cinematic quality, if you will, of this film is a lot... um, more grounded and like gritty and realistic than other Star Wars films that had more of a Disney tone. Ooh, I yeah, I agree. Yeah, like right off the bat, I feel like the way the camera is moving, the the kind of flat lighting in the gray atmosphere, mm-hmm. um, which is so interestingly juxtaposed by the tropical scenes that we end in. But oh, like I
1: love those tropical scenes.
0: I love it. And and I love the terrain that is chosen in this film it's very different from other star wars film i think well not so different from like it's not so so different from like rise of skywalker and those things because there's pretty visually striking kind of rolling green hills and stuff in those um but it's interesting how the new star wars films really utilize natural landscapes
1: yes oh my god and i'm glad that we started this because this really sets the tone for how this rogue one discussion is going to be which is you talking about the cinematography and me being like yes yes i've seen a camera once <laughs> <laughs> which is all you need heard of it heard yeah. of a boom mic <laughs> um fuck oh my god my first note is just like we've got Saspot, we've got a villain who is way way too into it. choked by vader and we got very close to a canon gay couple it's rogue one <laughs> um they truly yeah. are a hair away from gay representation in this movie i know which almost
0: make okay so for me that almost makes it that much more heartbreaking because i remember being in the theater and being like oh oh they're oh they must be gay like I was like oh they must be gay and then I was kind of like waiting for that confirmation and it never it never outright came like I'm kind of like picky I guess like I really even though unfortunately beggars can't be choosers it seems but um I really want like I want that like said out loud no fucking around like no wishy-washy just like he's my husband like i want that oh yeah verbal confirmation that this is a gay couple in this and i it broke my heart that when the movie ended and i didn't get
1: that preach first of all i agree with you um what i will say as i don't (laughs) have any Morty over this because I'm a gay man. It just really spoke to me in the theater seeing these two having such an intimate relationship on screen. And if the compromise is they got to have an intimate relationship but their status was left ambiguous versus if they had less of a story arc but it was confirmed they were married... I think I am happier with this trade. It doesn't change the fact that this movie came out in like twenty sixteen and that is long overdue for canon gay representation in a Star Wars slash Disney slash mainstream film. That mm-hmm. should be okay. Yeah. Um but their their story was so fucking beautiful. I just yeah, if they just were husbands, that would be the cherry on top. But I got a Sunday.
0: Yeah. So, we miss the cherry, but those cherries are usually weird chemically tasting anyway.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't know. I've never eaten a cherry.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, cherries are okay. Uh, that's going to be a if we get out of this weird dystopian hellscape by summer, we're going to go for a little picnic. I'm going to bring like some nice bag of cherries cuz they're very tasty.
1: I'm very excited.
0: I long for summer. Oh, anyway, okay, so we open with what we just recapped, um, with Jin Urso escaping and her father, Galen Urso, being taken back to build the Death Star with the Empire. But before we get caught up with Jen and her or Jen, sorry, <laughs> in her adult form, we get introduced to Caspian, Diego Luna's character. And it is an introduction
1: oh god that i you have so much to say about this i'll make this quick for my my note when i first saw this movie i obviously knew that the ending of this movie was going to be like you know everyone's gonna die but there, it's it's for you know plot fleshing out and when i saw cassian's character and it was established right off the bat this dude may work for the quote-unquote good guys but he was shady as fuck because he will kill an owl to get away i was like they are putting an anti-hero, like a, a shady protagonist in this film. And he has a super hot Spanish accent.
0: Okay, I love the Mexican accent. To me, it is just, like, so pleasant to hear. Um, I'm a big accent person. I also love the Irish accent. Shout out to the Irish. Um, (laughs) But the Mexican accent, I started to get kind of into, like, different Spanish accents and I just love... Diego Luna's accent specifically but also Mexican is is really Lovely to hear and I'm so glad they let him Keep his accent um Diego Talked a lot on this subject Uh kind of the reception he got From fans especially Fans who had Parents who were immigrants or they were immigrants Themselves um That it was really meaningful To see Uh somebody with such a thick accent In particular up on screen and in a time 2016 is when this movie dropped and we have a Mexican protagonist with his thick Mexican accent as a heroic role in this film it it meant so much I was watching the the kind of um not backlash what would be the opposite of that the
1: the positive. the positive reception.
0: Thank you for English. I don't have English skills. Um, <laughs> Fine. Yeah, the positive. I was watching the positive reception kind of unfold because I follow Diego Luna on Twitter and he was posting occasionally about things fans were saying. Um,
1: you gotta follow Diego Luna on Twitter.
0: Yes, you do need to follow Diego Luna on Twitter, and he's a he's a very political person. Uh in his own right, which is is lovely to see. As far as I know, Diego Luna, not problematic, quite the opposite. So that's very good. But yeah, but as far as, and I think I said Caspian, pardon me. I mean, Caspian.
1: (laughs) I don't know where that P came from. By the way, I want to apologize to anyone listening from here on. Uh, While I am on the A spectrum, I still apparently can feel attraction in certain degrees and the core has made me very attracted to men in this film so you're gonna hear my thirst ass talking about that for the next hour.
0: I honestly li- listen <laughs> same
1: <laughs> Like what what is oh, happening?
0: I am abs- so I've had a crush on Diego Luna for the better part of five years now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I also went on a Diego Luna watching spree much similar to my Heath ledger watching spree in the year 2009 um beautiful (laughs) um and like i said i feel very heterosexual in the star wars universe because they keep casting like my favorite men and this movie in particular has like good men with ben Mendelssohn. oh my god Ben Mendelsohn, Mads, whatever, I can't say his Danish ass last name.
1: Mickelson.
0: Mickelson? Really? Is it that simple? Why am I all so... You know what? I was getting his last name mixed up with a really crazy ass last name of a girl who's in Twin Peaks. Anyway, Mads Mickelson, really great. Um, Yeah. And of course, Diego Luna, Cassian. I love the introduction that we get to him. Because yes, it kind of sets him up to be an anti-hero, but it also ties in in this great way to what we find out about his character when he kind of tells Jin in a a heated tone uh, that he's been in this rebellion since he was six. So this is a man who's not afraid to lose shit.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm good. He said he's lost everything, so I'm gonna assume his parents are dead.
0: Yeah, and you see somebody who truly has nothing to lose. Like, it's, like, it's really interesting that right away it's just, like, and th- there's, like, regret that he has to kill this person to get away, but, I like, better. I feel like maybe it's just Diego Luna's face, I don't know, but there's, yeah, like... just
1: sad looking.
0: He's got <laughs> sad eyes, Um, so to me it's kind of just, like, but I have to do what I have to do because I'm in this deep, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I'll... I'm just personally excited for the TV show that was clearly made for you specifically.
0: Yeah, this is like Disney was like, how can we get our claws into MoL specifically?
1: First, we take her catchphrase, "This is the way,"
0: <laughs> and then we cast Diego Luna as the lead in a sci-fi
1: but series. Only after Pedro
0: Pascal. <laughs> oh my God, and Pedro Pascal in the <laughs> so my good. Oh, okay. So
1: moving on to Riz Ahmed. Oh my fucking god. I. Mwah. Chef's kiss. Fuck. What the fuck? So beautiful. I love. Oh, this is really showing some insight into me as a person. <laughs> uh, uh, Riz Ahmed being this nerdy, shy, but still petulant, like greasy haired motherfucker. I just live for it.
0: It is very your type.
1: Oh, God, he's so lanky and sad. I if love him. If he had him. a couple
0: more face tattoos, Dartmouth Romeo.
1: Shut up. <laughs> you only say that because it's true.
0: <laughs> I mean, I've learned some things over the years.
1: Oh, yeah, we're not even talking about plot at this point. It is just thirst time, and that's really okay. Lame. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, the fact that the only white people who aren't bad guys in this...
1: Movie is Jin. Oh, yeah! And something I do want to say: shout out to the actress who plays Jin. What's her name? What's her Felicity Jones. Felicity Jones. Uh she, she's fantastic. She's really good. I struggle as to whether or not I like her or Ray as like the white girls. Uh, right. Off my list right? for Star Wars.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm at the same. I I usually like Felicity Jones and things that she's in she isn't again one of those actresses that i count on being like transported into a different character like she's not like a Kate blanchett or a whomever is very good at like reinventing themselves um like tony
1: collette or whatever but i think the most obvious one which i think is helena Bonham carter but continue
0: helena Bonham carter is always a quirky goth girl though
1: oh you're right maybe i gave her too much credit i just really liked her as Be- Bell- bellatrix Lestrange strange anyway
0: Ugh, didn't we all? Fun fact, she shares a birthday with me. Anyway. Oh. I know, Geminis unite. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so I don't know why we have Riz Ahmed introduced
1: before adult Jin Urso. I'm a little bit backwards on the plot right now. That is fine. We're just basically introduced to the fact that Galen does, in fact, like, still hold resentment against the Empire because he sent a pilot to his ally saw guerrera aka Force whitaker um mm-hmm. but who raised jen yes basically well yeah you know, jen was basically raised by the time she got there i feel like saul did very little raising and a whole lot of training but anyway
0: yeah which is really interesting or not oh, it's not like interest anyway that was the wrong word to use but it's um Demonstrated really well in Felicity Jones' portrayal of Jin. I feel like she is uh, p- plays that like quiet, directed inward. Like you said when we talked about solo, um, everything is just survival. She she really brings all of that in. You can kind of almost see the scared kid in her performance
1: for sure and that i think is specifically like she's really stripped down to her foundation like i don't know how Mm -hmm. her how old her character is supposed to be let's say like mid-20s yeah Uh, maybe that's generous i have no idea how old felicity is um she's like 30 but yeah but yeah can you imagine living your whole life with like a very well-crafted armor of like i just gotta survive i just gotta keep my head down and survive from the time i was 16 i was on my own and i know how to defend myself i just need to keep quiet shut up and don't get noticed yeah she manages to do that successfully for so long and then the thing that goes straight to her heart is someone kidnaps her and tells her they need her to confront all of her childhood trauma yeah literally a war no less
0: yeah which i mean if something's gonna get you into therapy there you go um, also, I'd just like to say, so we're introduced to Jin's character through the imperial labor camp, mm, yeah. Um, which was another little touch that I was like, a labor. Ca- oh, I was like, oh, like fascists of the past. I was like, it like clicked into place again. Of like, right, I am really seeing the fallout of the empire
1: right now. Those those touches, and mm-hmm. it, it, the movie really. I mean. Coming out in 2016, the year of Trump's inauguration, was pretty – it made it very politically relevant, or at least decently politically relevant in its commentary against fascism.
0: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And the camps, too, right? Because it wasn't soon after Trump got into office where we saw those horrific um, border camps go up. So Mm -hmm. you're seeing – yeah, it was really hard to miss those things.
1: Yeah, I mean, for us, for people like us, for people who just watch Star Wars films, I don't know. I don't want to dimi- I don't want to diminish their intelligence, but I just feel like it's something that people who are actively politically interested in things would pick up on it. Yeah, which
0: this felt like a movie that pandered more to audiences like us than the latter.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's no denying that this is about revolution, and it. It really hammers home hard messages about, like, the dangers of fascism and how obvious that distinction is.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, I shouldn't say too obvious. Casting's experiences, like, just following orders without thinking them through and having to rebel against the rebels in order to, uh, like, finish their mission. It does cast a bit of gray uh, in a black and white situation, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't change the fact that the Empire is so obviously fascist. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, and it is sweet to see in that, and we'll probably get into it again, but um, just where it's top of mind right now for me, I like that Cassian, we open with him being so dogmatic, I guess if that's the right word, about the Rebellion and following the orders of the Rebellion. And then it's like through his ragtag crew, which you love, it softens him a bit and enables him to go as far as to even break out of that like I'll do anything for the rebellion is like I'm actually going to rebel against the rebellion a little bit even though I know it's still morally in line with what I believe but like it's like nice to see how the characters soften each other I guess that
1: is so fucking important and we will talk about it we haven't even gotten to Jin's introduction
0: (laughs) well her and the Imperial in the back of that vehicle going to headed to the imperial camp that's her introduction
1: a very nice touch uh first of all the people that made rogue one i want to give a hat to the costumes department they did a great job of pulling it back of what the old star wars aesthetic was Mm -hmm. you not only saw that in like the technology that was used in certain scenes where you're like oh regardless of the fact that this is being made in 2016 they've made a pretty great replica of like the 80s sci-fi vibe um but you also see that in Darth Vader's outfit looks exactly the same and the stormtrooper helmets they're the old version rather than the new one that came out in Force Awakens
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that's cool Yeah. <laughs> but the super cool part about Jin's introduction scene is she gets choke slammed on the ground by K2 Oh
0: my god <laughs> You're being oh my god.
1: don't resist
0: Yeah, K2 has a slam in the introduction literally <laughs> There's a pun for all the the pun stands out there.
1: Yeah, for all those uh, pun dads.
0: We also get to see Senator Organa, which
1: is fun. We get a look at him. I had a note about that, that we get to see Bail Organa, which is cool. It's pretty fun that Leia was uh, raised by a Latino man, but that's not something we...
0: Another person of color on the good side. We love to see
1: it. Yeah, we always need more of that. I also want to point out that the... Uh, planet that they find Jin on is called Wobani, which is an anagram for Obi-Wan, like, very obviously. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why they did that. Just, ooh, we're on Wobani. It's like, do they just throw Scrabble tiles and then (laughs) pick some out of a bag, or do they actually have meaning?
0: No, Wobani. Obviously Kai Wobani.
1: (laughs) I guess. Uh, Uh. Yeah. But anyway, K2 is a great character. I really can't emphasize enough He's like what C3PO wishes he was. Like if C3PO yeah. had guts.
0: Yeah. I mean, he is goth C3PO, isn't he? In a lot of ways. In K-2, a lot of ways. Slick. E- black appearance. Woo.
1: Everything with K2 in it is funnier because of him.
0: Yeah, K2 has a really good sense of humor because it's dry, which is, it suits the tone of the film. It's not really goofy humor like you would see in the more kid focused star wars movies it's like a little bit edgier and and a little bit more dry which is cool
1: yeah absolutely like it's not just a matter of him saying like i calculate this won't work it's a matter of him being like mm, we're gonna fucking die and it's gonna be your fault
0: <laughs> yeah yeah um okay. <coughs> so Robotescent That marketing still worked on me like dynamite. Jesus Christ. I say that every time someone coughs. Don't buy Robitussin. Just don't give them the satisfaction.
1: (laughs) never bought it in my life. I don't even know if they sell it here.
0: Also, Kai does not have the Rona. He just coughed.
1: No, no. I just, talking makes my mouth dry. So I try and drink and sometimes water goes down the wrong pipe, you know?
0: Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do you have another note after Senator Organa gets his brief little
1: moment on screen? Well, yeah. Um, the the notes I have around that moment. Uh, first of all, K two seems very protective of Cassian. Just gonna mm-hmm. point that out. I think that Cassian and K two might have a thing going on.
0: Okay. First, 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 gay has
1: been spotted. <laughs> yes. Uh, then, as for Bodie Rook, why did they torture him? This this hurts me so.
0: I know. I know. And the other thing I watched with Riz, Ar- Riz Ahmed recently. Venom. Um, no, I actually watched Venom after or before <laughs> I watched the other thing where basically it was called like uh, Last Night or Night's Watch. I forget. It's something to do with the night. It was something on HBO. It was a limited series. And he was in jail the whole time. And I was like, <gasps> break him free. I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> and then I had to watch him suffer again. I'm like, when do I get to just see Riz Ar- Ahmed like live?
1: What? I guess you just have to watch like the sister brothers assuming that ends well for him. Ugh, assuming.
0: We will have to watch that. Anyway, yeah, so he's being tortur- tortured. There's a little tortured. accent work for you.
1: Tortured. <laughs> being tortured by Forrest Whitaker aka Saul Guerrero. It hurts my heart so much. I feel like Bodie Rook was specifically made to be like the Willow character because little known fact Joss we knew that if you ever hurt Willow on screen that was an easy way to make the audience sympathize or like feel bad and uh, isn't that true yeah and Bodhi really does that for me where I just want to protect him Um, by the way there is another world where Forrest Whitaker could have played Darth Vader because he even has the respiratory problems
0: oh my god that needs to be a fanfic
1: well, I just there's another world where Luke and Leia should have been black.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like... yeah, yeah, because
1: James Earl Jones.
0: Yeah, James Earl
1: Jones. Yeah, very important. Anyway, I didn't. Okay, this is also crazy. You know how Moth Tarkin, the old white dude that's dead, that they had to CGI recreate for this movie exists. Like yep, I did not notice the first film. The first time I watched Rogue One, I had no idea that man was CGI.
0: Oh, nice! Good for them. Yeah, that's that's, yeah, they did a good job with that. They didn't do as good a job with Leia in in Rise of Skywalker.
1: <laughs> I think the reason is that in Rogue One, Moth Tarkin is inside in a dark building in the vacuum of space. Right. In Rise of Skywalker, Leia is outdoors in a sunlit forest.
0: <laughs> True. Like, yeah, getting the lighting would be really hard.
1: Yeah, the shadows really help.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That's true. And artificial lighting is just easier to work with in editing, I find as a photographer anyway, Um, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that is. and, And it's weird because since I saw Rogue One, I think I saw it before The Force Awakens, because I didn't, Shit. because I was never a Star Wars fan, right? So I was like, whatever, new Star Wars, who cares? But as soon as Diego Luna came into the picture, I was like, well, fuck me, I guess I gotta watch this. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, and Rogue One kind of drew me in further to the Star Wars universe, but I, I didn't understand why that man was CG. Like, I didn't. Under, I was like, why is that like <laughs> fake? I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Like, why did the actor they originally got to play like do something horrific they had to cgi him out with some other dude like i was so confused because
1: they just didn't mean anything to me i was like uh maybe it's also this if you had seen the guy who originally played him before he died that man's facial structure is insane and actually does look that cartoonish in some ways
0: yeah yeah he's very typical like british white villain with his high cheekbones (laughs) the highest
1: cheekbones you it looks like one cut them out of like clay or marble, and then when it put in the kiln, it shrunk, so they're even more sunken.
0: Yeah, good villainy. He has good villainy. Um, I don't know if this is too far ahead. You can let me know, but on Jedi yet? I don't know. I because but the next note I have is kind of vague. Okay, I'll just I'll. Yeah, I'll read the note and then we can see if we need to fill in anything around it. Uh, But it was an observation where I just said, though, I would personally kiss Diego Luna right on his precious face if I ever had the vaguest opportunity to do so. But I really appreciate the lack of sexual tension between him and Jin.
1: Yeah, they definitely have more of a buddy cop vibe.
0: (laughs) Yeah, or just yeah, or like it actually feels like they're two strangers who got thrown together you know like it actually feels like they're soldiers that are doing a job together that like there's a rule in cinema or there has been up until very recently that if like a man and woman no matter how little like context there is to support this or how little history they have if they're thrown together that equals sexual tension but this is just like two people who have a job to do who otherwise would not be you know yeah, to get and then they, they they just get bonded through combat. Like I, I have a few friends that, you know, are in the navy and stuff like that, and like combat is a really bonding experience and that I think speaks to the softening that happens to the characters later on later on.
1: <sighs>
0: anyway, yeah, but I really did appreciate the lack of sexual tension. This is my first gay, um, because I really feel strong ace vibes from Jin. Oh,
1: hell yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I want to speak a little more to what you just talked about with their whole vibe not being sexual tension. Um, Felicity Jones really does a great job of emanating Jin's vibe of, like, I don't want to be here, but I have to be. And I guess Mm. I'll see the guy that, like, half-raised me. Um, And Cassian's vibe is, like, I don't want to deal with you, but... I am in charge of you, and you are my end to the biggest deal. Mm-hmm. So I'm very responsible for you. I, I, you can't die under my watch, and that really shows in the way that Jin is kind of reckless on Jeddah, which is the uh, the planet with <sighs> that they end up on that ends up getting the city that gets destroyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: The big rocky
1: one. Yeah, Jin is willing to do. Whatever the fuck she wants to, because she's used to that. She's not used to having supervision or having to, like, um, answer to anyone. And Cassian is desperately trying to keep her alive. Yeah. Uh, like, there's a, there's some sort of, like, skirmish, and a child is caught in the crossfires, and Jin just, like, just throws herself into that to save the kid. Um, and Cassian is like, you get your fucking ass back here. I do not give a shit about that child you are my in like
0: yeah yeah because he's so tunnel vision and so like bitter from his experience just like losing everything his life all he has is the rebellion yeah he's so tunnel vision and it's that particular moment i think when she like places the child's life above her own and like she demonstrates values that maybe diego's character like cassian lost um along the way which i think contributes to like how they change each other and they don't change each other because they fall in love with each other it's just like practical combat shit like i'm so it makes me so happy
1: <laughs> yes i'm i'm very happy that they did not play this as a romance romance and that i didn't kiss
0: oh god oh yeah and then, but then, our lovely gay couple enters after this planet gets blown up.
1: I was about to say that. Yeah. Uh, so we've got uh, Chirrut and Baze, and the whole dynamic is Chirrut was a monk for this, like, sort of Jedi Force temple, and he is a blind man, he's played by Donnie Yen, and then his companion, <laughs> his husband, mm-hmm. uh, is a protector, he was previously a protector of the monk's of this temple. Um, but now that the temple has fallen and that the city is in disarray, Baze just protects Chira, Chira Mm -hmm. Imwe and Baze Malbus are their names. They are so clearly married. (laughs) They never leave each other's side. Every time they talk, it's not just banter, but they're obviously displaying affection for each other. It's crazy.
0: Well, yeah, like I said, I, for a lot of the characters that we discuss on this podcast, um we're usually reaching a little bit right like we're usually i mean it's kind of a fanfic podcast for lack of a better term um but in this specific instance like i had said earlier it wasn't a reach at all no no like i assumed it fully when i was sitting there watching the film for the first
1: time it kind of felt like if a closeted gay man wrote a film and the executives wouldn't let him put a gay couple in it so he just did everything but that
0: yeah yeah and so Gareth Edwards i have just a few like random notes or whatever um i i don't know like everything about Gareth Edwards but i know that there's a movie that really struck me a long time ago called Monsters it was filmed mm. on a canon 6d i think it was like really makeshift and Mm -hmm. i (laughs) me and my sister just fell in love with it 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 became really important to us just because it made filmmaking seem really possible and i know that film had the effect um that it had on me and my sister on a like large group of amateur filmmakers um so he's just so much more socially conscious even if he doesn't mean to be like and he just cares so much more about centering things that hollywood doesn't see as valuable like he's just he's grassroots in his filmmaking in like every way and i know he worked on the script with someone else too so he had a hand in that and yeah his characters are just like they're realistic in the fact that very few of them are white they're queer they're not stopping to kiss in the middle of a war. Like, yeah. it's it's really, oh my god. Like, I can't say enough good about the writing of this film. And I I love, I wouldn't be surprised if Gareth Edwards, like, yeah, did what you just said in making these characters as gay as possible. And Disney was just like, but you can't say it outright.
1: A legitimate example of this is High School Musical, No Word of a Lie, uh, the character Ryan, who was Sharpay's twin brother, the gay that one, yeah, char- yeah that character. <laughs> both the actor who played him and Kenny Ortega, the man who made the musical movies, were like, "This character is supposed to be gay," and Disney was like, "You can't do that." So both Kenny Ortega you and I have were gay like- kids in theater. <laughs> Outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so both Kenny Ortega and this actor were like, "Okay, we're gonna." You and me, we're going to make this character as flamboyant as Bobble, even if he has to technically be with a girl in these movies. And that feels a lot like what this movie did.
0: Yeah. Which I I
1: respect. I respect that hustle.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. Um, Moving on, though, um, something that we kind of forgot to mention, maybe it's not that important, uh, when the planet blows up. Jin forgets the message that she received from her father that revealed the weakness in the Death Star, basically. Um, And I just said, bitch forgot the fucking message, which is me AF.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Galen gave her exact coordinates while she was in the middle of realizing that her father was alive and still loved her. So I can understand why that's a bit jarring. Absolutely, but also I
0: would be the one that we leave the house on an adventure to find a hidden treasure and we're halfway there and you're like, check the map, and I'm like, what map? The map. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I totally understand how she lost it. was frustrating. That's. Is that when Diego Luna Cassian, sorry, I, I'm going to switch between his character name and the actor name, when he, it, they're on the ship later, and he's like, did you get the message? She's like, no, and then they kind of argue, and that's when he kind of says that pivotal moment of, I've been in this rebellion since I was six
1: years old. I've lost everything so what happens is it's not so much that Jin forgets the message but she, it, it was essentially a hologram on a flash drive she does not get the flash drive because Jetta was being blown up so she only hears the message once and when she relays it to the team for this ragtag crew um diego's like hey you can remember as little as much as you want we have to convince the council at the rebellion base to send a war effort behind that idea we're that's nothing we're going to have to actually get your father so he can relay this message himself because they're not going to believe you you're a criminal
0: yeah which then pushes us to the next part of the film
1: some pretty hefty action yes which hey we've skipped some good parts so i want to pause okay other than Donnie Yen being a, butt, a badass, which I don't know if you know who Donnie Yen is, but he's like a mixed martial artist, I believe, um, very famous in China. And he was in the series called Ip Man. I believe it's all on Netflix. I'm sure I'll watch it eventually. He plays a blind character. And I wanted to point out that this is kind of skirting actual blind representation. Right. I don't know how great it is to cast a person who isn't blind as a blind character and on top of that give him powers that supersede the fact that he's blind (laughs)
0: um -hmm.
1: so yeah I I just wanted to point out that's probably not great representation but Donnie Yen does play a great gay character
0: yeah and it's almost comes to one of those points where it's like (laughs) how much how much could Hollywood handle I mean we're we're casting a Chinese actor and then oh he's he's pretty gay and then they're like could we possibly reach for the representation of a disabled actor hollywood was like no not today
1: <laughs> you're you're actually probably right <laughs> yeah. um but just for clarification for listeners i mean i'm, I'm not going to lay out the whole plot because it's so convoluted but the reason they pick up these people along the way uh first of all k2 is cassian's droid Jin has to help them with this plot and she's invested because her father's a part of it and she wants to stop a war because that's what he wants. Mm-hmm. When they get to Jeddah, they meet Chira and Baze because Jin has a necklace she always keeps with her. It's a kyber crystal. And Chirrut can somehow sense this because of the force, just because he's a force user or force. He's a force entity. monk. He's a forceman. And he decides that, you know, she has a clear destiny. He can see it. He thinks that she is just like the chosen one so he follows her and wherever he goes Baze follows obviously so they're on this mission with them together they manage to leave Jetta before it gets blown up and then they end up looking for Saul Guerrera and in this uh, Guerrera nonsense they find out Bodie Rook who is a pilot that's defected due to Galen uh, to give the message to Saul is being tortured and imprisoned in the same jail cell they are while Jin is talking to Force Whitaker slash Saul I think it's interesting because Gareth does something very smart where while they're passing through the streets of Jeddah, there's not necessarily propaganda video, but there's a video going around showing that Bodhi Rook is wanted. He's a wanted man by the Empire because he's defected and he has valuable information. Cassian, because of that half-second scene that Gareth is landed, recognizes Bodhi in the sail next to him, and when Baze wants to kill him for getting them into this mess, or just because he hates the Empire, Cassian is like, no, 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 no! And he, like, saves his life. Mm-hmm. I guess I only mention this because I've read a fiction, a fan fiction or two of Cassian and Bodhi being uh, shipped together, but aside from that... Ah, uh, I see. I think they'd make a good couple. Just the exchanges they have in this movie, Diego Luna and Riz Ahmed, are pretty charged, pretty heated. Not a, I don't know they're
0: both know. so sexy,
1: <sighs> they are that's for me,
0: yeah, <laughs> and me, apparently.
1: <laughs> There's also a very funny moment where, in trying to get off, out of Jeddah before it, um, before the mission falls apart, K2. Pretends to be an Imperial droid that works for the Empire. (laughs) I
0: love that.
1: And he (laughs) slaps Diego Luna. And after the action is done, after Chirret has saved their asses with his Jedi powers, uh, K2 apologizes to him, which is crazy. But I mean, manners first. (laughs) But K2 is rude to literally everyone, but he is concerned about what Cassian thinks of him.
0: Yeah, well, it's definitely interesting. It seems like even though droid rights, obviously, droids are definitely like super dependent at this point in time on their human counterparts. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's almost like I know it's like kind of demeaning, maybe, but not really if you view pets in a in a like respectful <laughs> light. They kind of feel a little bit like <laughs> pets in a respectful well, way. Pets are very much better than any human. Yeah. Animals are just... But anyway, I, I feel like there's that kind of, like, dogish loyalty, you know?
1: That's so weird, though, because I just... I don't know. A K2 will bark at anyone, but he still licks the hand of Cassian to take well, that yeah. dog out of Well, yeah,
0: it's like a watchdog.
1: I don't know. I think he has feelings for him.
0: I get... Yeah. I mean, droids do seem
1: kind of horny. Stop! Why is they that just, true? They just do. <laughs> they... Honestly, K2 reminds me of a specific Tumblr post where someone was like, I'm tired of robots that have humans fall in love with them. And they're like, no, you can't possibly love me, a machine. Where's the robot that says, finally, a human with good fucking taste?
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. If the world ends, let's cast K2 as James Bond. Let's just do it. Oh my god, you're so right. (laughs) Let's just do it. Let's just cast k2 is james bond um okay so after all this happens we get another
1: little we go to where sorry you do this is where mads mickelson is getting chewed out by ben Mendelssohn. sure is and there's some rain okay i want to talk about this rain mm-hmm. uh, specifically because castian goes outdoors for like maybe a second and he's soaking wet and furious and it's so hot <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think that must be why I have a note that says Diego just exudes endearing, sexy energy.
1: He's he's so miffed. He's tired. He's like a wet dog. Mm-hmm. And he's just barking orders. And meanwhile, like, K2 is just being kind of reasonable. Mm-hmm. And he gets so angry at him. Like, K2... Yeah repeat what Jin has said, and Cassidy is like, oh fuck, i asked you! Keep doing your shit! And K2, I would like to mention, is like nine feet tall.
0: Yeah, such a tall droid. Very,
1: He's one of the scarier
0: droids, eh?
1: I think, I think if he's personality, but the one that Alan Tudyk gave him, mm-hmm. then yeah probably scary
0: yeah and alan tudyk (laughs) is very comedic and i appreciate that but um also oh there was something in there that i just oh oh yeah i wanted to throw out a personal apology to all of the sapphics who might be listening
1: (laughs) oh yeah the only two women that talk on screen are mon mothma and jenner so and Granted, they do have a conversation that passes the Bechdel test because they're talking about the revolution, but it does not change the fact that it is not not in the least bit sexually charged.
0: Yeah. And that's an unfortunate thing that is just kind of in the Star Wars universe. You can maneuver in a way to kind of have man on man relationships and love because there's so many male characters. It's in it's, it is a song it your words not mine um yeah <laughs> um yeah so if you're if you have any sapphic tendencies meaning you're a woman who loves women um the star wars franchise lets you down as per fucking usual everything lets you down when you're a woman who loves women um but this this movie i mean except kira knightley except kira knightley god bless kira knightley and kate blanchett and Rachel Weiss. Well, Rachel Kate
1: Blanchett might actually disappoint you If you listen to her real-life mouth But anyway Don't, don't, just watch her movies Yeah, there you just go Just watch her movies Keep Don't going.
0: listen um, Yeah, but uh, this is definitely going to be a heavy episode for me and you Just being like, men are pretty <laughs>
1: Starting with Diego Luna uh- <laughs> Yeah, If for the <laughs> Suffix listening Your best episode is going to be our previous one About the Star Wars sequels Where we talk plenty about Laura Dern Anyway.
0: Yeah. anyway, so continuing on to the rainy planet
1: where eventually Galen Erso does meet his tragic fate. Yes, um... This has probably one of my favorite lines in the film during this uh, because Cassian is being shady. He's trying to find a way to snipe Galen without anyone noticing, blah, 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 blah. What matters is Jin follows him and then Cherit finds a way or a reason to follow Jin. As it turns out, his help was necessary. But as he's leaving, Baze is like, what the fuck are you doing? And Cherit is like, she's chosen one. Like Her destiny is clear. I have to follow her. And fucking Baze is just like, good luck. And Sheridan is like, I don't need luck. I have you.
0: Yeah, uh, I and I made a note of that as well. Um, I love a concerned husband. Yeah.
1: And Bays is like, oh, and then he leaves the ship and follows after him.
0: Yeah, which is, again, it's almost, like, jarring to hear because you're just so used to taking the scraps from the table, right? Like, (laughs) you're so used to twisting things that are very ambiguous into something less ambiguous. But this is just, like, so much less ambiguous.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, I think there's points where they they kind of have pet names for each other. Like, I think Bayes calls Chirrut an old fool, and it's (laughs) just so affectionate in my (laughs)
0: Yeah. Okay, so for the sake of time, maybe we can fast forward to your next most relevant note.
1: Uh my next most relevant note is absolutely the fact that uh K2 comes to Jin's rescue and he says Cassian said I had to. So this is like, <laughs> <laughs> This is when Jin uh forms her own mini rebellion within the rebellion and they decide that, you know, she's going to avenge her father's death in the only way she knows how, which is fucking up the empire. Woo! Woo! So they've followed, formed an even more ragtag crew. Everyone's in on this. They're going to infiltrate the Empire on this lovely uh, tropical planet, which really, mm. the, the shots on this planet really evoke the feelings of, I'm going to say, a Vietnam War. Am I wrong Uh-oh. in saying that?
0: No, no. I think that's that's cl- that's close for sure.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. So K2 is just like, mm, Cassian said I had to. My, sorry, my, my owner slash husband said I had to. <laughs>
0: That's a complicated relationship right there.
1: Fuck. <laughs> uh, ben Mendelsohn has a perfect voice. Just wanted to say that.
0: I know. I love that Hollywood did not make him erase his lisp.
1: Yeah. And that's another thing I forgot to mention. Donnie Yen does have a Chinese accent in this. Um, mm-hmm. Which, fantastic, great. I want more of that of people having accents that aren't just European. Yeah. Um, but yes. if you watch Donnie Yen in interviews his accent is not as thick as it is in the movie
0: <laughs> well so that's interesting i would love to hear like a chinese person's perspective multiple chinese people's perspective um on how they feel about like him being a monk his accent being thicker um mm-hmm. if they feel like maybe he fell into some chinese stereotypes um or if it just felt like a good representation of
1: Culture, yeah, I don't know because I'm not Chinese. Mm-hmm. Something I will mention is that Bayes, actor is also Chinese, and he's a completely different character. So there's at least double Chinese representation. Where if you don't like one, you do have a second. You do have the other,
0: yeah. <laughs> which which is what um, so many marginalized groups have been asking for: of like, give us choice so we can pick. Yeah, yeah.
1: And granted, two is not a lot.
0: No. <laughs> but two in one movie is more than we usually get, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, that's true. Like, Even in white women, that was rare for a while. <laughs> and it's it's funny because... So I thought it was so obvious that Baze and Chirrut were an item, and many people agreed with me, but mm-hmm. one of my friends was under the impression that they were brothers when oh. she watched the movie, and... Oh my God, that's so innocent. <laughs> I thought it was funny because at the time I was like, they look so different. I literally thought they were different races. So I looked it up. I was like, Davis's actor is super dark skinned. Like, are they even the same race? And as it turns out, they are. They're both Chinese. Um, mm-hmm. But I just thought that was, <laughs> that was interesting. They they look super different, even though they are of the same race. And that's that's racial diversity for you.
0: Yeah, which is something that again because there's such little, and I love following Stephen Yun. Um, I really recommend following him on Twitter. He doesn't post that often, but when he does, it's usually activism oriented. He played Glenn on The Walking Dead. Obviously, you should know this. Um,
1: <laughs> he played Keith in Voltron. He was a voice actor for the kids' oh show. God. Bless,
0: Bless Stephen Yun. Um, but he he posts a lot about the lack of you know, Asian representation in Hollywood as well as a lot of different Asian American actors in Hollywood. But yeah, I one of the problems with having such little Asian representation at all, especially Eastern Asian, is that we get a really, really whitewashed version of the Eastern Asian countries. And like China and Korea and like all Like, a lot of these countries in Eastern Asia have, like, a lot of racial diversity and, like, skin oh my God, tone yeah. difference that we just don't get to see at all. Um, so, yeah, that's just a little caveat. Follow Steven Yun on Twitter.
1: <laughs> Love him. Um- yep. I also wanted to point out we get to see R2 and C3O 3 PO for a hot minute in this movie while everyone's leaving the base when Rogue One is taking off at the Rebel base. You get to see C three PO where it's just like where are they going? They don't tell us anything.
0: I know. It's so cute. I mean, I love that C three PO gets to show up in almost every single <laughs> Star Wars movie. It's they great. It. Mm-hmm. He has our champ. Okay, so our so we're on the beautiful tropical planet which is I love again I love contrasts I love that like this dark thing is happening on a very sunny beautiful planet really cool I just love seeing all of oh, I always forget what they're called those big caravans that look like like large mechanical cows <laughs>
1: my god ATATs
0: ATATs I love the contrast of the ATATs those posters got me oh yeah Oh the promotional posters in the movie theater got me with the ATATs like standing in like this tropical Pondries. ocean. Ooh. Ooh. Oh and the visuals of this movie oh, I just can't with there's a particular moment I believe it's on this planet where we get like a really beautiful purpley sky, lilac sky and Diego Luna's just chilling there. Looking all pretty against this lilac sky. I listen. It was poetry, visual poetry.
1: That might be near when the the movie ends because of the end of the world and all.
0: You know what? You're probably right about that, but I just had to jump right ahead
1: to it. Um, fully fair. I have a note here about how what a good couple Bodie Rook and Cassian would make because they definitely have a heated exchange about the plan, and I'm like, oh god, I would love to just see them make out about it.
0: And again, I. Just want to point out how much I like that there's more sexual tension between Diego and Riz than there is between Diego and Jin. Some people will disagree with me on that, but I would venture to say correct. They are wrong. Um, <laughs> um Yeah, and it just reinforces that strong
1: ace vibe. Yeah, and speaking of uh, just like people that Diego has chemistry with... She was extremely upset by K2's death, which I get. I was too. I was, uh, yeah. I was really. K2's
0: death was fucking hard.
1: It was brutal.
0: Oh my God. Why? The droid deaths are just brutal in these movies.
1: Like, he's getting shot time after time and he's doing everything to get his message to, like, Cassian and Jin. And also at the last scene where, like, K2 and Jin have this like peace moment where Jin gives K2 a gun and he's like oh your behavior it continues to be unexpected Jin or so like he's essentially saying I was wrong about you and it's just Whoa,
0: <laughs>
1: found family tears
0: oh, uh, the ragtag crew that we lacked in Solo really pulled through in this movie
1: <laughs> just gave a banger cast
0: yeah oh man yeah Ah, okay. So I really want to get into our g- lovely gay couple and what they're doing on the battlefield because, well, they have a
1: lovers' death scene, and it is a lot. Yeah, but it is it is a death scene for lovers. Absolutely, Cherit is dying in Bayes' arms, and Baze refuses to like leave him, even though they're in the middle of a battlefield. And the entire time, Cherit is just like you know if as long as you are with the force you are with me like i will never leave you i'm i'm one with the force and you will be with me as long as you feel it and i'm gonna cry and then then when bays like repeats that back like i'm one with the force the force is with me like you can see in in cheer like sightless eyes that he's like happy he's smiling even though there's like blood in his teeth and he he submits to death and bays just goes on this this suicide mission where he's he's doing it in revenge and like a vengeance of yeah. his partner, just repeating it over and over that he is with the force because he doesn't want to be without his lovely husband.
0: Yes. And during the moment when Baze was holding Chero, I was going, kiss, kiss, kiss. <laughs> I was doing that silently in my seat in the theater. <laughs>
1: I've seen a lot. This is a little bit of a sidestep, but I've seen a lot of fan art. Of pe- what people speculate it would have been like for Baze and Chirrut to grow up together, where like Chirut. He said
0: Giro. Oh my he god. He did say Chirrut. I'm so fucking bad with all these Star Wars names. Please forgive me, everybody. Chirrut, sorry. Continue. It's, okay.
1: it's not like it's a real name.
0: Like I'm pretty sure a Chiro is a kind of like food anyway. Please it
1: is. Continue. So this cinnamon stick of a man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh god <laughs> people have made really beautiful fan art about what it would have been like for cheer and Bayes to grow up simultaneously of like Cheerit um training to be this poor sensitive like user and and very med- mellow monk while Bayes was growing up to be like a warrior and what their friendship through the ages must have looked like and uh, i just really recommend looking on tumblr they're um their ship name is called Spirit Assassin an Spirit <laughs>
0: Assassin Oh my god I love that, that
1: There's some really Really beautiful art of You know just what people imagine They would have looked like growing up Because man they are two extremely different looking men But they probably grew up in the same temple
0: Oh well yeah And you know Bays could be from somewhere Far away and you
1: know got Yeah in- they could be orphaned Yeah
0: Um, For sure. Yeah. So uh, the our lovely gay couple's death was uh, such a very gay, very gay. And just a really honestly the death of each character in this movie, even though those who are more familiar with the Star Wars universe knew they were coming, knew these deaths were coming. I did not because.
1: Oh, my God. Emma! I'm so sorry.
0: Little green green behind the ears. I was Um, if that's the expression, I don't even fucking know. Summer child. Yeah, I know. I was just like, what? <laughs> At the end of it, I was like, what do you I mean? Um, but obviously, I did know. I did, like, figure out, because Death Star, like, I, I figured it out. So, anyway, I'm not totally stupid. Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> ah! Defensive. Um, yeah, every death of each character was was really poignant. And each one hurt the guts.
1: I mean... Like, Bodie Rook's death is particularly, like, it obviously hits me in the gut because I love him so much. But, like, Mm -hmm. he says, like, this is for Galen. Like, he clearly feels this admiration of, like, what was probably a mentor figure to him, someone he looked up to. And he he literally dies for his cause. Yeah. And he, like, when the grenade is thrown into the, the ship that he's in like just after he had gotten the message to Cassian, there's this look of resignation on his face before it goes off. It's just oh oh, oh my god oh my god
0: Ugh. oh yeah it was really, and Riz Rizarmed, Riz what is with me in names today? Just ignore me anyway. Um, he. Like Diego, I feel like has these very expressive eyes. Like super expressive. Um, Big old anime eyes. Yeah. And I just ugh, God, it just like hits you all the more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his death was yeah, and then I, if I'm not mistaken, his death was before our gay couple's death, right? It
1: was. Just yeah. a- and then finally, you know, Jin does all of the work her and Cassian work together after Cassian had a near-death experience. They mm-hmm. definitely kill Krennic um, and succeed in their mission right before the planet blows up, and they have a very nice hug on the beach.
0: Yeah, um, which I, I'm i not crying. You're crying. Uh-
1: <laughs> I actually I skipped over a part I really like, which I think one of the most intimate moments in this movie is the elevator scene. They've just killed Krennic, like, they're both in very bad shape and I think Jin is helping uh like Cassian limp like until they make it to the elevator where they're being taken down and they it's this very dark elevator and the only light is coming through in like streaks Mm -hmm. and you just you're seeing them look at each other and it's silent like a very soft score like they don't exchange any words and then they're on the beach and they can see that the horizon's disappearing and the planet's blowing up and all they do is hug and it's just ah.
0: and let me just tell you what this moment meant to me this is what i've been waiting to get to for the entire episode um me and my mom were sitting next to each other in the theater when we saw this film Mm -hmm. and when the elevator scene happened we both groaned (gasps) At the same time, we were like, oh, no, because we thought they were going to make them kiss. Yes. Mm -hmm. And when that didn't happen, we both let out sounds of elation at the same time. Yeah. We were like, I can't believe... Oh, my... Like, we were just so sure that we were going to be fed the same slop we've been fed our whole lives. And to subvert it as somebody who... I don't know anything about my personal identity, which, borderline, what's up? Um, (laughs) Very poor sense of identity. Um, But, like, I would definitely say that my sexuality has been a really fluid experience throughout my life. Mm -hmm. And asexuality has definitely factored into that fluid expression. And it felt really good. Yeah. As somebody who felt like a freak so many times for not wanting the kiss to happen in the movie or not, which it's that's not been the case all the time. Sometimes there's really good tension between characters and whatever. But in this moment when I was so happy to see a woman share completely equal ground with the male protagonist mm-hmm. and to see that at the end of the day what they had for each other was respect and that was pretty much it no respect a general fondness um as you do for any other human being you're experiencing traumatic situations with um i can't really put into words how meaningful that was for me to see at the end of a big action movie like star wars 2
1: oh no yeah i think it was huge uh, it's very funny to me to see people express um discontent with the fact that they didn't kiss like a sort of sexual fr- frustration that doesn't come to an end uh because that sort of <laughs> that sort of blockage of fulfillment as that a story arc provides is something i think queer people like us have been experiencing our whole lives yep <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So if the straights are getting cock blocked in this one instance, they can suck it up.
0: <laughs> oh, let me again pull out my small violin that I keep just for these specific occasions and play the saddest song that I can for all of the straights who were like, "Man, they didn't kiss." Oh God! God. No, they didn't. And you know who benefited from that?
1: Me. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. It's just it's it's so so wonderful that. But like I I am a very naive innocent movie watcher where i don't believe a kiss is going to happen until it does so Uh when the elevator scene was happening i wasn't like oh my god they're gonna kiss i did have this suspicion but i was like no no no, it's not gonna happen unless it happens and for some reason behind they got to the beach i knew they weren't gonna kiss i was like if they were gonna kiss they would have done it before now
0: oh yeah by the time they actually reached the beach that was when i realized like what the movie was which is great because you kind of want to come to that full conclusion in the end it's a good essay you know if you can like make a very definite statement of like this is what you just watched um which is not the case for every movie there's different formats obviously but in a nice tidy action flick that's a star wars movie you know uh it was a very satisfying ending to just be like this was a crew of people yeah who had a mission and the mission was completed through their unwavering commitment to the end goal. Um, And nothing else got in the way of that. And that was nice. (laughs) That was nice. So that wraps up our Rogue One and Solo. Yeah. But we still have to decide. And I think this is going to be fairly easy. Like it was for Solo who are the gayest characters or the gayest character
1: in Rogue One? Obviously, Baze and it as a package deal. Yes, and I fully agree with that. I think second to that is K2. I think he brings a lot of sass and pining. We need a gay robot. This is Star Wars after all. Yeah, I do appreciate that. And then third, I would say is Krennic, because he does smile after Vader chokes him in a way that makes me think he was going for it. <laughs>
0: I didn't catch that. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, I'm sure the streets would be like, well, it's because he got news that he's still in charge and he's happy about it, even if Vader did rough him up a bit. But like, mm, but still that's not what our podcast annoying. is about. Yeah. No. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. I think my follow up would be Jin because I think she has like ace strong ace vibes. Yeah. Um, and then I would agree. To I mean, obviously, choke me, Vader is a big sign. <laughs> obviously, and now that you've pointed that out to me, I'm never gonna unsee it. No, yeah, no. fantastic. Uh, so, like- who did I feel? I was just gonna ask you that.
1: Oh, I mean, do I feel anything anymore? No,
0: <laughs> not in the choir. Not since the choir started.
1: Um, I'll say K two.
0: K two. I like that, and I would I would say that. As your friend, someone who's close to you, that, that feels very fitting.
1: I'm dry, I'm gay, and I resent everyone I'm attracted to. Next. And you're a little bit goth.
0: Just a touch. Just a touch. Yes, that's a great pick. I would say that I I would see you as K2 before a lot of other Star Wars characters as well.
1: That's, Ooh, hot take.
0: Hot take. Hot take from the Biffle on the other end.
1: Also, okay. Does this mean you're Jin?
0: I would say I I probably relate a lot to Jin, yeah, because I don't relate quite to Cassian because I I would like to believe anyway that I would I would really never be able to like follow my cause if it meant hurting other people. Yeah. So I don't think I would ever be like that unquestioning of an allegiance to, to anything. Like, yeah, you uh, weren't
1: indoctrinated at a young age. I mean, I guess we all are to a certain degree, but not as hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, and my experience, too, like, I had a different path because I was indoctrinated into religion, but then I was, like, couldn't stop questioning things. So, love to question. Love to question. So in that case, I feel like a part of me really relates to Jin because... Um, we can all be- relate to being scared children who've been in survival mode for far too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Though I would say Baze kind of feels like someone I sort of relate to as well, but. Baze? Yeah. Who? Baze, is that not his name? Oh,
1: Baze. I'm sorry, I thought you said Baze, B-A-D-E, <laughs>
0: oh god i was just ready to accept that i had totally fucked it up
1: (laughs) no okay so sorry how do you relate to Bayes? because he's like questioning of religion but still devoted to someone who's part of it uh
0: i mean wow is this therapy i never thought of that but (laughs) you're not wrong um i feel the need to be protective over people and take care of people and i relate to um him kind of throwing his all in to that even even if that's not always evident in my everyday life, but uh, yeah, and there's a certain softness too that I related to in there,
1: yeah, as as angry and like a like a bull he is, he's so soft for Chira and then by proxy, pretty supportive of Jen,
0: yeah, yeah, which is rational so and i just like him he's just one of my favorite characters in the star wars
1: universe that's first of all so sweet um cheered is definitely one of my favorite in the star wars universe he's very high on my list because he's just i think what i like about him is that he's a brat mm. <laughs> he he knows he can get away with anything and he will and he does
0: yeah i like that boldness you definitely embody some of that boldness for sure Ah, thank you so much all right well that wraps us up uh, recording which i'm guessing the final cut hopefully will be shorter than this but we have two hours and 13 minutes
1: what a short <laughs> which, episode for us
0: i know honestly um now that we're done with the like groups of movie reviews though expect our episodes to get shorter
1: you'd think but is the next one going to be the mando well that's
0: a tv show so yeah that could be a while um but i don't think we'll be doing too many tv shows after the mandalorian
1: no Mandalorian, like we're still under the star wars umbrella i think we're in the clear for that but like mandalorian isn't that long now granted this is only the first season
0: hopefully our episodes will get shorter or we'll just figure out a way to make them so I don't know
1: (laughs) two parters for an hour and a half movie we talk about it for two
0: yeah oh my god save us. but thank you so much for sticking with us I appreciate the commitment
1: (laughs) look I know at least one person listened to our three hour episode so
0: you know oh my god so we should definitely send them like a basket of fruit or cookies or something yeah wow you're a champion so there's just one thing left to say besides stay safe everyone and that is (laughs) I don't I still don't know if that works or Skype but we'll see (laughs) okay